Thank you for joining us today. Whether you are part of the Lighthouse family, be it on-site with us weekly or tuning in online, we'd love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Ely. It's on all our social media platforms. I hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Wasn't that wonderful? Are you glad you came? Convince me. Are you glad you came? Heavenly Father, as we open up your word, we know your word is truth. We know, you, we know your word is life. And we don't live by bread alone, but we live by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. Lord, let our ears be open to hear what you're saying. Let our hearts be re- receptive to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 5 says this. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we obtain access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast, uh, we boast of our hope of sharing the glory of the Lord, but we also boast in our suffering, knowing our suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, Character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. Why does hope not disappoint? Because of the love of God has been poured out into us by his Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. has been given to us. I want to talk this morning, a little follow-on. I've been talking about what it means to be righteous, what it means to be holy. And none of this is possible without love. And if you get anything out of my message this morning... It is love rules, love wins, love conquers all, and God is love. And when we understand what true love is, it's because we understand who God is. The love of Christ is true love. It's this gift that's worked in us by the Holy Spirit, because God is love. When we have God, we have love. Conversely, when we don't have God, we don't know true love. And love works itself in us that even in times of suffering, we can wear that badge of love. That love is in our DNA. It is in our hearts. It's that love that motivates us. It's the love that transforms us. It's the love that never fails. It's the love that's part of our daily walk. It's the love that speaks to us and speaks through us. And love makes us see things differently. Because love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. This new kind of love, that's my message this morning, it's a new kind of love, is brought into the world by Jesus Christ, demonstrating God's love, demonstrating who God is by loving us, by giving himself for us. Greater love hath no one than this, that lay his life down for another. And this love comes through the Holy Spirit to us, and it's poured into us in, an, in order to give us hope. Even in the trials of life, even if the suffering in us is uh, producing in us endurance and character. And I know if we need some character, we need some endurance. How are we handling our suffering? How are we handling the challenges of our life? If we have, if we have hope, we can get through it. You know, hope is like a spiritual vision. Hope is something that sees things even when others can't see it, but you have hope. 
And I think that it's not a wishy-washy kind of hope, thinking, oh, maybe one day this, maybe that day. No, this is a hope of assurance. This is a hope we have of glory. It's the same hope that we have when our eyes are opened and we can see God's love being poured into us so much. And if we are suffering and we don't see any hope, could it be that we are in need of that endurance? Could it be that character is being developed into us? I was speaking to someone recently, a great man of God who I respect, but, and he's really suffering. And he said to me, Giles, you know, my suffering is a gift. And I'm thinking, that's not the kind of gift I want for my birthday. That's not the kind of gift I want for Christmas. This is not a gift. And I didn't really understand what he's talking about because suffering isn't from God. God isn't in the business of making us suffer. And from my point of view, I was thinking, why don't you do everything to get out of this suffering? And he says it's a gift. And then, and then I read this from the Apostle Paul in Romans 5, and he says, we boast in our suffering. And I'm thinking, okay, let's, my brain can't handle this, you know, because we, we want to get out of suffering and we want to get into glory. But it's this very suffering that's producing in us endurance and character and hope. It's this very suffering, Paul says, you know, I bear the marks of the suffering of the persecution. And he boasted in that one, in that man, he says, I'll boast in my suffering. And I'm thinking, this, I've got to read the scripture because this doesn't sound right to me. I've been brought up in the word of faith movement. And if you're suffering, you're obviously in sin. You're obviously fallen short. You've done something wrong. And, you know, there's, you know you've allowed evil somehow into your life. That's why you're suffering. But then you go look and say, well, Jesus suffered. Did Jesus allow evil into his life? Did he, did he allow the devil to get control of him? No. His suffering was for us, for our glory. So there must be some kind of deeper meaning going on here. So I'm looking, I'm reading, and I know God isn't in the business of making us suffer, but how we come through that is certainly our testimony. Maybe that's the gift. And maybe it's not a gift for ourselves, but how we handle suffering is perhaps a gift for others. And I'm trying to unpack all this, and I'm thinking, okay, well, Maybe he saw it as a gift because he had experienced the power of the love of God in his life. And he'd experienced hope. Because you view suffering differently when you have hope. And you have hope because you've experienced the love of God. James writes this, he says, Let patience have your perfect work in you when you suffer. When you suffer, endure. Let patience have its perfect work. So what is God working in me while I'm going through this? And he says, you may be complete, lacking nothing. That's James 1.4. Peter says, when you're suffering for doing good or you're suffering for um, standing up for the gospel or you're suffering for preaching, you're blessed. You're blessed. But these guys had a whole different view of what it meant to suffer. And he says, while you're going through this, remember, be patient, be kind. So what do we understand about God's love? This God-initiated love that causes us to hope. And I think it's more than just that God loves you. I think that's more, there's more to it than that. Um, God's love, because God is love. And God's love becomes this uh, reality in our lives. It's, it's more than just 
the love that we might have for one another, brotherly love, um, husband-wife love. It's more than that kind of love. It's, it goes way deeper than that because God himself is the embodiment of love because without God, there is no love. And John would say, John would write that if we belong to God and we don't have love, then the love of God is not in us. God doesn't just love you. God is the, the thing. Can't call God a thing. God, God is the very thing that makes love possible. And God pours out that love, which is himself, into us. It's it, the, God's love is a meta-love. It's a metaphysical love. It's a love that transcends all love. Like God's word is truth, but it's more than just true. It's the, it's the truth that makes all truth possible. And when we understand when Jesus says, I am the truth, you know, he's actually not telling you just true words. He's actually embodying the truth. And if we want to know what is truth, like Pilate asked, you know, he had no clue what truth was, and he was a governor of a massive region, responsible, but he didn't understand what truth was. And Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the very truth that makes all truth possible. I am the meta-truth, the truth of ultimate reality, as wholly transcendent that goes beyond, transcends perceived reality or our experience. I was thinking about this, you know, when we, we talk about healing. And we know healing is part of God's truth. It's part of what God has for us. And then I think, well, the reality is that I'm sick. Does that make the truth not true? No, because our, our situation doesn't change the ultimate truth, which is beyond our experience and our reality. So if we're feeling like we're not loved by God, that doesn't make it not true that God is not love. We, we know God. It says in uh, 1 John 4, uh, this is verse 8, so I don't think I have it up there. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. And God's re- love was revealed among us in this way, that God sent his only Son into the world that we might live through him. It, in this love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Jesus brought in a new experience of love in the sense that it was God himself coming to us that we might know Christ and we might know him through his word that we might experience him in our lives and we might experience love. This word love is translated in our Bible uh, is, is agape. It's the God kind of love, which is what the one I'm talking about today. And the God kind of love, the agape, is that kind of love that we're born into or it's born into us. So we know that God is love and we know that the new birth that we have as Christians, as born again believers, that we have this impartation of the very nature of God which the nature of God is love, imparted into us, that we are, in fact, children of love, born in a love family uh, that we've been born in. And one translation of Romans 5.5, it says that the love of God has flooded our spirits. I love that. It's absorbed us. It's taken over us. This love nature is like the law of the new creation. The law of the new creation that we live by, that we sign up for, is 
love. John 13, 34 to 35, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love agape one another, even I, as I have loved agape you. So that you love one another, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have that agape love for one another. That love is, is, is a badge that we wear, but it's more than that. It's like a, it's like a brand, you know, they, they just heat it up in the fire and it brands you. You're, you're, you're scarred for life. And then when Paul says, I bear the, but I am branded with the marks of Jesus Christ, it's almost like he wore the suffering of, of his scars to show that, of his persecutions to show that who he belonged to. And each scar tells a story, doesn't it? What are our scars? What are our suffering? What story is that telling us, telling others about us? Is it telling us that we belong to Jesus? But that love is like that stamp. And we bear the marks of God's love. And we come into the family of God. You know, Romans 12 says that we've been given a measure of faith when we become a Christian. And I think we actually also begin a measure of love in our lives that we can cultivate and we can grow. And it's like we come into God's family. We come into having a new identity. And what does that identity say about us? It's not just we take, uh, you know, we take um, the last name of our parents or we take the last name of our spouse. You know, we, it, it's more than that. There's a whole new way of identifying the new creation because that very nature comes into us and we are born again. Born from above, that means. We have that heavenly Father. We have that relationship with God that, that we wouldn't have if we didn't accept Christ into our lives. And that love comes into us, that nature comes into us like our DNA gets changed. And um, we, we, we then begin to operate out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth begins to speak and things are changed and things are transformed. And we develop these things. You know, just like we have faith and then we develop our faith. We have God's love and we develop that by the way we practice, by the way we live, by the way we interact with one another. And we have to feed on God's word. That's what Jesus said, didn't he, in Matthew 4, 4. We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need that word of God to help us to grow and to mature. Just, just as you physically hunger, your spirit hungers. Your, your spiritual needs are just as great as your mental or your physical needs. And our spirit has the privilege of the meditating on God's word. You know, the prophet Jeremiah says, I took the word and I ate it. And when he ate it, it became part of him. And we um, feed and exercise ourselves by practicing love. And maybe there are circumstances and situations that forces us into practicing love. I don't know if you've ever experienced one of those, where maybe someone has hurt you or maybe someone has offended you. What, what do you do with that? What do you do with that suffering? Do you then go and tell everyone about it? And then, of course, you feel better, but now... It doesn't work and everyone else feels worse. And not only are you offended with that person, then everyone else is also offended with that person. 
But we, we're given opportunities to practice this kind of love. I love it in Colossians 3.16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of God be so abundant in your faculties that everything that comes out of you is love. And of course, this love makes us like Jesus. It makes us gentle, yet it makes us strong. It makes us vigorous, but it also makes us fearless. Love never fails. My next point. You know, you read 1 Corinthians 13 when you want to know what the God kind of love is. Love never fails. It is the master ruler. It will lead us out of selfishness. There's a big one, isn't it? Out of weakness, out of failure, into the very ability and strength that Christ is providing for us. There is no force in the world that cannot overcome love because God is love. It makes us that blessing. It makes us, um, it enables us to be like Christ. And that love takes over. The love of God, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, the love of God constrains us or the love of God controls us. It's taken over us. Why? Because we judge that one who died for us and we also died with him. That it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives within me. And I no longer live for myself, but I live unto him who died for me and rose again for me. Paul has got this passion that Christ on the cross... That what Christ did on the cross meant that we'd no longer look out just for ourselves, but we look out for others because love is transforming us. When love transforms, transforms us and when love rules, selfishness stops reigning. A lot of us have lived there. We've lived so self-absorbed, self um, you know, when you talk to people and you're telling them a story, but they're telling you a story that's happened to them that's much worse. And, you know, they can't actually listen to you because they're just waiting for their turn to speak. And then I can top that story with something worse that's happened to me. And I'm like, you're not listening to me. I want to, you know, but, but that selfishness can be like a deadly poison, can't it? It can, it can poison us, poison our spirit and our, and our body. But we're not selfish when we become part of the new creation. 1 John 4, verse 15. Yeah, I do have this one. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God. And they abide in God. This is the thing, right? We've come to believe in God. We've come to believe in love. We've come to believe that love is the best way for us to live, to govern our life is through love. We've come to believe that the best way of uh, ruling our home, ruling our business, the best way to govern has, has come through love. When your home is in love, you know, everything is going all right because you're not looking out, for, you're look, look, not just looking out for yourself, but when you step out of love, you step out of God, you step into darkness, into unhappiness, and to, to, to bitterness. And eventually we learn the best way is to stay sweet, to stay in love, to easily forgive, to walk in the truth and the light, and to walk in the way that Christ has for us. Have we learned this? Have we learned this the hard way? Have we found that living in God, living in love is the highest way? 
It's the sweetest fellowship with our Heavenly Father. It's living in Him. It's Him coming to make His home in us, to abide in us. Verse 16 says, So we have known and we believe the love that God has for us, because God is love and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in Him. This is the way, as they say, don't they? This is the way. That we want to live in God then we abide in his love. And that then flows out from us to our, to our families, to our workplaces, with our children. When we're feeling frustrated, when we're feeling hurt, when we're feeling angry, we can stop ourselves and say, no, I'm in the love of God. And this whole incredible peace comes upon you as God pours out his spirit in you. Do you know anything I'm talking about here? Verse 17, it says this. I love this. This is challenging. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we have boldness on the day of judgment. Because as he is, as he is, so are we in this world. How are we to be in this world? How are we to live every day? This is really challenging. Not only do we have assurance of our salvation, not only do we know that when it comes to the judgment day, we have our advocate, we have Jesus saying, no, this one's mine. He belongs to me. We, we know that. We have that. But actually, it's not just about our judgment day, although we can live with, without the fear of judgment because we have, we have that love in us. But as he is, so are we. What does it mean to have love perfected in ourselves, among us? Has love gained control of me? When love comes to rule my life, how does my life look differently? I feel challenged by this, I really do. But how can I grow in my Love. How can I grow in this until my life is dominated and ruled and governed by love and that I can have that quiet fearlessness in the presence of God? I tell you, some people are more afraid of the devil than they're afraid of God. You know, one little finger from God and the devil's done. I tell you, we live in the knowledge that God has the best for us. But it is... It is to, to fall in the hands of God without Christ, without hope, is something I wouldn't wish on even my worst enemy. Not that I have enemies. But I wouldn't wish it on anyone that, that say, you know, God forbid that they, they, they fall into, they come to judgment without knowing Christ. I, I feel challenged by this and I feel um, burdened by this. We need to let people know about the love of God, don't we? And if they don't know the love of God, they don't know God. If they don't know God, they're going to spend eternity without him. And that is reality. That is truth. But God is love and we are children of love. And we walk in that realm of love. We're acting according to the rule of love. My whole life is pitched in the key of love. You know, and if we're not in the key of love it's jarring to your ears, isn't it? It's, it's something you don't want to listen to. It's offensive to your ears. But we want to be pitched right. And we want to come to that place with God that we don't have fear in the day of judgment. Because perfect love casts out all fear. 
And there is fear. This is the next verse. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. I say, if you don't know Christ, then you have plenty of reasons to, to fear judgment. And I'm talking about the fear of God because uh, when we talk about the fear of God, we're talking about the reverence. We're talking about the awe of God. We're talking about, you know, uh, uh, living in a way that is honoring to God. And I think if you're not living in a way that's honoring to God, yes, you have plenty to worry about. But I say there's hope. There's hope because you can get to know Christ today. You can surrender your life and say, God, I don't want to live my life selfish. I don't want to live my life without you. I want to live with you. And I repent. Repent just means turning around, leaving that old life behind and saying, God, I need your help. I need you to come into my life. I want to know this kind of love that you're talking about. I want to have that love perfected in me. I want to have that love to control my life. How fearless would life be if we're perfected in love because no matter what happens we walk in love how many times have I said love if you can go back and count them that would be great Ephesians 4 15 says we speak the truth in love why so you may grow up <laughs> I love that some of us need to grow up I'm not saying you know just because we buy expensive toys we're still children I'm like, in, in the way we respond, that we're not like petulant little children. We're not like tap for tat. You know, we're not trying to get back at somebody. We're not trying to seek revenge because we've grown up. And speaking the truth in love, what does that mean? So we may grow up in all things to Christ who is the head. But speaking the truth out of love you know, it's that off key. It breaks the harmony. It jars the ears of those who do walk in love. But we need to be able to speak to people. But we have to have dealt with the offense in our own heart. You know, that's the problem. When we want to speak the truth, when we want to give a piece of our mind to somebody, and some of us have lost our minds because we've given so many different people a piece of it. You know, I don't know what I was going to say now. But if we've forgiven that person, if we genuinely love that person, then we are able to speak into their lives out of a place of love. And if, we, if it is to warn somebody that they're heading down a dark path, then we ought to speak up and not be afraid of consequences, but speak the truth. But, but it's, it's dealt with in our own hearts. You know, I know if, if someone offends you and then you right away want to jab them back or get them back or be kind of cunning and um, deceptive and manipulative and you know if that's your motivation well they're not going to hear you and you're going to lose a friend but when we've dealt with that as a Christian when love has just melted us into and shaped us and formed us into Christ likeness wow what what Jesus believers that we would make what soul winners would we make? What mighty men and women of God we would make? And I think that's part of our motivation. Love has to be our motivation because the gospel comes first. The lost must be reached. There's, there's a challenge out to us. Do we see someone who 
in their weaknesses, in their sicknesses, that we can't bear with them, that we can't stand with them, that we can't believe with them, that we can't reach out to them. That's what love does. It motivates us to help others. And if we can stop thinking about ourselves for five minutes and realize that we're not three years old and the center of the world, center of the universe doesn't revolve around us, we can open up our eyes and we can begin to see, I could be that strength for someone. I could be that hope for someone. I could introduce them to Christ. I could bring them to church. I could pray for them. You know, I could just put my hand on them and say, be healed, be whole, be restored. Romans 15 says, this is the challenge, that those who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses or infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves, for Christ did not please himself. I tell you, that's the standard that Paul always sets, isn't it? You want to live to please yourself? Well, that's not Christ. Christ didn't live to please himself. And when they're moaning, complaining about their suffering, he says to them, have you suffered to bloodshed yet? I said that to someone recently. I, I said, yeah, life's tough, but have you, have you actually bled out because of this suffering yet? Well, look at Christ. Look at what Christ endured. Look what Christ suffered. And we know that's because of that love. That's, that's the standard by which the scripture. And we're not about ourselves and our selfishness because we have love within us. And that love is so not, it's not like lust where, you know, we seek to gain our own and our own satisfaction. And it's all about me and my desires. Love flips that around and, and, and says, what, what, who can I be to others? What can I do to please God? What can I do to, to lift up, strengthen, encourage, challenge others? This is the motivation. Love is, love is that motivation. And love is a command. I'll just see if I've got time to go into that one. It's a new commandment that Jesus gives for us to love one another. It's a new law. And it's that law that says, I have loved you, therefore you ought to love one another. And Romans 13, Paul says, the law of love means that love works no harm to their neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law. But that love is a daily walk. And it's a walk in which we're looking out. We're not looking to harm anybody. We're not harsh. We're not bitter. We're not unkind in our words. We have no cruel insinuations. We have no biting sarcasm. All of our words are soaked in love. Soaked in love even before we utter them. Literally saturated they, 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 these words that we have are words of love that need no artificial perfume on them because they smell sweetly of the heavenly life that's flowing out of us. Does any of us want to live this way? Has any of us perfected this yet? One of you there. No, no. No, they didn't put their hand up. I was messing with you. Jesus never stepped out of this realm in love. He was walking in the new way. He built this. And we want to grow up into the fullness of the stature of the knowledge of God. We want to grow up into Christ so we can have his fullness in us. And we can begin to live like 1 Corinthians 13. You know, if you haven't read that at least once a week or once a day, I challenge you and I say, read that. At least the first 18 verses. 
we know it, doesn't it? We, we say it at every wedding and we say it at all of these places, but what does it mean that love would gain such a control over our lives that we wouldn't want to envy what others have, that we would be satisfied with our life? What would it mean to uh, live in the kind of love that doesn't puff us up with pride or the love that constrains us, the love that holds us? the love that is patient, the love that is kind, the love that is gracious, the love that doesn't seek its own. This new kind of love just wants to swallow up all selfishness, so it's eliminated. This is the love of the new creation, the new life that we've been given. It's that life, that self that is born of God a self like Jesus, that we can live as he is in the world, so are we. That we're not seeking our own, that we're not easily provoked, that we take control over evil. We don't rejoice in unrighteousness, we only rejoice in the truth. We rejoice in things that are real, that love covers all things. I love that, bears all things, believes all things, love endures. One of the translations says, love covers closely or love covers over with silence and what happens when we suffer and we bear it silently it's so much different to telling everyone about it it's like when we're offended and we want to share that offense with anyone else that offense grows however when we love and we forgive that offense dies in us you know Jesus bore our sins on the cross And what came out of him? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Our sin, our offense, died in him. And all that came out was love and forgiveness and healing. Healing came, didn't it? Because he didn't didn't bounce off him. He, He took our sins. He prayed to the Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And... You know, it's like if we asked Christ now, what is it of my life that offends you? And he says, I'm not holding no charge. I'm holding no charge against you. I tell you, when we want to bring up old hurts, old offense, it hurts us. If someone offends us and yet we choose to forgive them, it dies in us. We can't bring a charge against them. There's no more hurt. Romans 8. I've got plenty of time. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not withhold his only son, but gave him to us, will he not also give us all these things? Who can bring a charge against God's elect? Because it's God that justifies. Will Christ bring a charge against us? No, because Christ is the one who died for us. He is not to condemn us. He died for us and he rose from the dead and he's seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us. Who will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? His conclusion there, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of Christ that we have, uh, love of God which we have in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 31, 39. We need to read these things. We need to understand these things. We need to know what the agape, new kind of love is. John 4, 4, he says, You are are the love. 
You are of love, my little children. Greater love is in you than the bitterness, than the hatred, than the darkness of the world around us. And his love is working in us. It's working through us. He's building himself into us that our whole spirit, soul and body is, is just saturated with this knowledge that we are well-pleasing to God, that his love has been poured out into us by his Holy Spirit. This is how we come to the point of understanding that it's working its way through us. Now, we're not perfected in this. Seriously, <laughs> we're really not perfected in this. But this is somewhere where we can grow. This is a mindset. This is an attitude that we have. And we... When we have that attitude or let we have that mind that was in us that was in Christ, Philippians 2 says, it says we begin to see things differently. We begin to see people differently. This is why we can have the first scripture, we have hope because of the love of God that's poured out into us. And when we have the love of God poured out into us, God gives us insight. He gives us new vision we see people differently. We see things differently. We don't want to uncover any old hurts or pains, but we, we see with the eyes of love. We see God in us, and we begin to love ourselves. We see the, God's love in others, and we begin to love others. And we look at when we can come to the point when all we can see is the nature and the love of God that's within us. And when we see in others struggle, when we're seeing others with their infirmities when their struggles, we bear with them. We stand with them. When their infirmities, we can share with them. When we see them in weakness, we can give them our strength. When we see them in poverty, we can help them financially. When we see people, we begin to see them as people who God loves. And we begin, this is the motivation for our mission. Because we become Jesus men and women. Like a battery charged with electricity, we are charged with his love. We stay feeding on, the on God's presence. We stay feeding on God's word until our whole being is saturated with, with him. And then we begin to shine brightly like lights, like little illuminations in this world. We begin to shine. You know, you can tell somebody who's in love, can't you? Because they just can't help smiling. They can't help, you know, just over the top in love. You've had that feeling. You know that feeling. Don't let, ever let go of that feeling. You know, you, you know that. And when you see someone that is born of the nature of God, born of the presence of God, there's something different about them. And people will say to you, hey, there's something different about you. I say, yeah, because I have the love of God in me. I have his nature, his love. I have his ability. I have the love of God in me. That's an old song for you. But we become those little illuminaries blazing the path up. And where sin and darkness would want to rule, we bring in the light and the knowledge of the glory of God. And we shine brightly in his words. And we begin to understand what it means to truly walk in the love that Christ has given us. Where did I start? I'm going to close. We are justified by faith. We have peace with God, whom we have obtained access into the grace in which we stand. I tell you, if you don't know the grace of God, if you don't know the love of God, there's no time like the present to say, God, I don't feel justified. I don't feel like I have peace with God. My life is not right. 
now would be the time to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Take away my sin. I turn my back on the life I've lived without you. I choose to accept you. I believe that you died for my sin. I believe that you rose from the dead and I ask your Holy Spirit to come into me now. And that from this day forward, my life will be different. Different. The love of God is here for us today. Will you open your heart and receive him? As you receive love, you're actually receiving God. You're receiving the love of Christ, which is the true love. Because without God, there is no love. And allow love to work in us. Even if we're suffering. Even if we're hurting. That love is part of our DNA. It rules in our hearts. It motivates us. It transforms us. This is the love that never fails. This is the love that's part of our daily walk. This is the love that speaks through us and uh, to us. This is the love that makes us see differently. I tell you, I, what, what do you see? When your heart is full of love, you see things differently. Your walk is different. You are totally transformed. When you come to Christ, you don't stay in your sin and darkness. You come out of that old life and you're transformed and changed. As we change him from glory to glory, transformed in the twinkling of an eye. I'm going to stop. Let's get the band up. What are we singing? Be still. Ah, oh, wow. Maybe stand for a moment. I believe God's presence is here. Do you believe it? If you're here, God's presence is here. You know what? He lives in you. We're not asking for the Holy Spirit to come down again. The Holy Spirit's already here. We're asking for the Holy Spirit just to be present in a, in a greater way. And what is it, whatever is of me, let that diminish. Let me become less so you may become greater in my life. Amen. Amen. Go for it, guys.